Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Scratch Cinema Podcast. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Quinnell. Hello, Quinnell. Hello, Chase. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very good. Quinnell wants to know, guys, are pie contests real? I thought they were made up as a quirky setting for fictional character development. Yeah, uh, I I would like to know, have you guys been to pie contests? Is this a thing? I... I really don't believe. Chase tells me that there are pie contests. And there are. fun fact, I bake pies, guys. I bake pies and I'm good at it. And I am confused. I'm confused because I've never seen a pie contest. And I've been to a couple county fairs. I even went to the the peanut fair, like a state fair for peanuts in Georgia. So <laughs> I've been out there. And I haven't seen anything. I've had deep fried Oreos. That's the thing we have at fairs. I guarantee if you were to look up Pie Contest Georgia, there would be something. Not now, maybe, but there there definitely has been a Pie Contest in Georgia at some time. It's just like Pie Contest, hot dog eating contests. Those are very different things. No, no, they're both fictional. They televise the hot dog eating contest and the pie contest. I've definitely known friends who've like won them. So they're real. No, no. There is an episode of Bones about hot dog eating contest. And that is, that's the I know. I remember that episode because then they have to interview the person afterwards. And they're like, hey, I really need to go to the bathroom because I just competed in the hot dog contest. So mm-hmm. That lady unhinges her jaw like a snake. And that's why she keeps winning all the hot dog eating contests. Yeah. Either way, see, plot points. But not it still real. exists. Fictional. <laughs> I don't believe you. Okay, no, I do. I just, I, I've never seen such a thing. It sounds like something that exists, but also sounds like something I've never heard an unscripted, non-fictional character talk about. Like, oh, I was at a pie contest, and this woman baked a really amazing apple. That just doesn't even sound real. <laughs> you say it like that but, when you're setting it up to be a joke. No, no, really. Because the second you said it, I was like, that, I don't even, this has to be an Idaho thing. It's what it I might thought. be. It might be. <laughs> there are only pie contests in Idaho. You'll have to go to Idaho for only that, just the pie contest. Yeah, well, maybe I'll have to like start one and have a pie contest and then just crown myself the winner every year. That'd be a good idea. That'd On merit, idea. of course. Oh, of course, yes. I would never suspect any sort of malfeasance or preferential treatment in your contest you create for yourself with your own competition. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some there was some news recently that I want to talk about before we get into the the main thrust of the boys and woke that we're going to talk about. The Dune trailer dropped. The long-awaited, much-anticipated big movie that's going to be coming in December, maybe. Um, the worm looks like an anus, and everyone's been making a lot of memes, and I think it's pretty funny. I've seen the David Lynch movie. Have you seen that movie of Dune? I have have not, actually. It's pretty weird. It's not particularly good. It's a movie he himself has said is not his high point. That's what I'd heard. Yeah. And I absolutely listen to the critics and just not watching the movie sometimes. Yeah. I was still curious. I might watch the miniseries because I've also read the book. <clears throat> because I did it for a book club. And it's kind of a book that feels very difficult to adapt, so I'm curious how they're going to do it. I am curious about how the critical response is going to engage with the fact that the book, who the writer was from Tacoma, and he did reference sort of environmental concerns that were inspired by him living in Tacoma, but he also heavily lifted from 
Middle Eastern culture, art, language, history. And I understand that's a very broad term and there are many different subcultures within that, but that's just sort of something things are talking, people are talking about because the movie is very much not engaging with that and sort of seems to be trying to run from that. Timothy Chalamet, the fact that he is white kind of makes sense because in the book he is coming from a different planet, is a colonizer, and the book kind of deconstructs how he's actually arrogant and wrong. And you think colonizers don't have to be white. <laughs> you I'm thought just he, saying this. We're, we're going to a different planet. Why he doesn't need for sure. to be white? You thought he was Dev Patel, though. I did uh, oh okay, guys. I saw some. I didn't watch the trailer yet. I know I'm always the last one. You don't uh, need to. Anyway, it's fine. I was behind on the times. The point is that I saw some screen grabs of the trailer on Twitter this morning, and it was there was a, a weird angle, a shot of our protagonist his nose is bleeding maybe maybe it's the worm i don't know point is <laughs> he also has the I thing in his nose you it yeah. could have been i think he would have been good i just i i really thought it was and i was like oh dude the new dune looks kind of good that's interesting and i am so disappointed partially because somebody's gonna have to explain to me why we are all so hyped for young timothy what 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 was he in that made everybody just like hop on like that? It might have been. I, I would have said it would have been "Call Me by Your Name," but honestly, I think it might have been Lady Bird that he kind of had a uh, a weird meme quality in Lady Bird that kind of caught on, and then people began really loving him, and now he's in what's going to be the biggest movie of the the holidays. Probably. I wish he'd been a bo- in a boy band instead. I feel like I could have accepted this level of like standum <laughs> for you know, like a Harry Styles or something, and sing, and maybe occasionally act and be cool and flamboyant. I just don't like that I'm going to have to watch him on screen because everyone decided that he liked they liked him so much. Not that he's bad or anything, just eh, seems a little a little much when it could have been Dev Patel. So that would have been your fan casting as Dev Patel as as I Paul. mean, honestly, I hadn't given it a lot of thought, but I I was happily accepting it when I thought that it was Dev Patel. So I'm going to say yes because of my disappointment <laughs> that it's not. And okay, so so if if it makes sense for the the colonizer to be white, the rest of the character is going to be brown. I bet the answer is no. Specifically, there's no sort of Middle Eastern actor, and it kind of falls into the thing of, like, there are talented actors that you can cast. It is just a question of giving them a chance, and that's what's I just need—I need casting directors to understand something, and I don't mean to be offensive. It comes off this way. (sighs) Say la vie. But— Racial ambiguity is not diversity. You can't just decide to cast a bunch of racially ambiguous characters and then say that you have a diverse cast. Yes, it's true, but no. It's it's physically not. And you got to stop just letting people get away with this because I just feel like some of these films could be so interesting and compelling and people could look on screen and be like, wow, maybe if I just see a glimpse of myself in this, that would be more interesting. And so many people are being denied that for no reason. 
it's not just because there aren't talented actors. Of course, I'm excited for the cast. Love mm-hmm. me some Oscar Isaac. <sighs> Especially because it's in the text. Is a fine actress. <laughs> it's in the text of the story. There's a great sci-fi article that everyone should read that kind of breaks down that really, really well. And I imagine there will be more analysis and conversation. But I don't know. It just feels like it was a missed opportunity and very much should have and could have been part of it. Because then if it's a big movie like this, it exposes people to other actors and different movies. I don't know. It, it, I'm still curious to see it, but I think there was a missed opportunity there. I, I, I don't know. People need to quit with star-studded cast. Just like pick one star and then a bunch of strangers, please. Yeah, that would have been fine. I know you don't like Timothy, but just have Timothy and then a bunch of other people. <laughs> just somebody I like how we're calling else. him Timothy. Yeah, because I'm not saying his last name because guess what, guys? I can't. I don't know. I don't know. And it's sad because I speak French pretty well that I just... That's a bridge too far. It. It's just something about it seems like a combination of pronunciations. Like, I don't want to sound pretentious. It's sort of like the word vase. Is it vase? Is it vase? I try to avoid it in everyday conversation. <laughs> so you're saying young Timothy is the vase of actors? Yes. <laughs> you know, that seems appropriate. I can't put my finger on it, but something about that is right. Oh, well. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens when it comes out, and I look forward to people's conversations and discussions about it. But the, oh, the, and I'm excited ahead. about Dave Batista because I yes. actually really like him, and I think that he is freaking adorable. He was great in Blade Runner 2049, which was the director's previous film, and it's it's very interesting to see him kind of shifting into these sci-fi roles that I that I particularly. He was also liked. great in My Spy. If any yes. anybody <laughs> is interested in watching a cute, friendly film about a man and a child bonding, that's the one. I saw that at the drive-in, and I loved it. Oh boy, <laughs> so was... cheesy! It's such. It's the best kind of bad. It's like it's like Kindergarten Cop. It's so yeah, good. exactly. Or the Pacifier with Vin Diesel. Anyway. We were going to then move on to talk about The Boys, which the first three episodes are out when we're recording this, although not everyone is super happy about that. It's getting review bombed on Amazon because people were expecting all the episodes to come out, which I was as well. Um, And I particularly have been interested in seeing where it's going to go. I don't think people should be review bombing it. It's making me kind of chuckle that people have forgotten how television release works, where typically it would be, oh, you would see an episode a week. But people are so used to streaming things that now they're frustrated with that. Um, Even though I was also fooled. I think it was maybe that they didn't make it clear that they were going to come out weekly. But what what are your thoughts on the... It's a con? It's a con. It's a con. And I'm... You know what? I'm fine with review bombing as a form of protest <laughs> because because the people review bombing are the people who like the show. For sure. <laughs> like the, but... the reason that they are upset is because they like the show. And I don't appreciate this deception. I was talking about this actually earlier this week. I think that streaming services turning themselves into networks is cool and interesting but I don't like the idea that they're going to get us all hooked on the streaming aspect of it and then turn around and behave like networks. Like the Mm -hmm. reason that people started to drift away from networks is because they wanted to be able to watch the show on their own time. We love binge watching. 
Like we like to be able to just sit down and we don't have to sit and wait in anticipation every week. We know, oh, I have time right now. I can watch eight episodes because this is the time slot I have. Maybe not everybody has time every single week. But I now they are becoming networks. Care. You have to basically exactly. do a subscription fee to each one. And networks, you can view them on demand. So I, I just, I, I, I'm upset by that. Not that they're becoming new networks. I think it's cool that you have more people creating more television. Some of that television is more exclusive, inclusive, sorry. But I don't like the idea that they're going to give people this opportunity to get hooked on the convenience of what a streaming service has previously looked like, like Netflix. Mm-hmm. And then after everybody is hooked on all of the shows, just turning around and, and saying, okay, now we're going to do a weekly thing. That just, I, it, it, just it did dishonest. surprise Like, me. I know it's a business plan and that makes sense because we're they going to watch it. Like, now we like it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I just think your product is already good enough that you have all of these subscribers. We're all here to stream the stuff already. We're already here. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, and, and I don't think that it inspires people. Like, I guess the idea is to deter people from getting the subscription for a short period of time and binge watching the whole thing. And then thing. canceling. And I yeah. don't, but I don't think it stops that. All it does is move the release date. So now all those people who had that intention are going to wait until the entire season is out, go binge watch it and then leave. And honestly, at this point, I think they should. I've been considering doing that just because I'm upset about it. I was perfectly happy with Amazon siphoning my money. I was already upset because I, I was one of those people who signed up for the free trial. And then when it started charging me, I just stayed. So I've already fallen for one con. No a more cons. Con? A second con? It just seems like a lot. I mean, that's what great, marketing though. is. It's it's always trying to sort of direct mm-hmm. consumer behavior a specific way. And I, I agree with you, I but they've... touch more honesty. <laughs> I think they could have been clearer because I genuinely also didn't understand where I was like, wait a minute, I thought it was season two releases this day. That's what they said. What What do you uh, think of the so show upsetting. itself with, with not what you've seen? Uh, I'm so happy. You were wondering where they were going to go. I am stoked to see more noir. Stoked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second that I got to see his little character be so violent and malicious and also a little bit sweet, I'm so excited. I mean, the sweetness was the end of like a horrifying murder sequence. There are two sweetnesses. There's the horrifying murder sequence, but there's also him finding out that his parents turned him into this monster and being real sad about it. And he did play but the piano just, like, in the first season. He is he has he a heart. Does. There's another cute little moment where he waves at somebody. Oh, oh, it was when he saw saw the deep. And even though deep we've agreed is a terrible person, now he's all complex. But Noir was like, Oh, nice to see you. <laughs> there's a little wave. It's really cute, really cute little interaction. <laughs> I, I will say, I think they've done some things right with the direction they could go. It did require literally having it be that characters have amnesia, which is a little bit of a story trope where Billy Butcher like shows up in a random parking lot and is like, where am I? Because literally he was there and they couldn't just like explain away how he disappeared from there. And I think that's maybe a little bit forced. But on the whole, I am curious with where it's going. It continues to be very dark, especially everyone was like, oh, Stormfront is this new female member of the team, overlooking the fact that the name Stormfront is literally the name of a white supremacist website 
in the comics, she was literally a neo-Nazi, although they gender-swapped it. And at the end of the third episode, it becomes very clear that she is horrible and is... Won't lie. I was late to the party of Stormfront being a racist. I didn't know about the name. However, the second she started killing people, I was like, "Is this because those people are black?" It <laughs> like kind the of first feels building like that she yeah. breaks into, and then she starts killing people, and I'm like, "Oh no, they're killing! She's killing all the black people!" And then I was like, "Well, I don't know." the 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 racial makeup of this building but it definitely feels like racism <laughs> and then she gets to the top and she's all slurs and uh, uh real real deep supremacy it's bad and i think that's where and this might be uh something where i tread carefully about do you know who laura loomer is Mm-mm. okay you could look her up afterwards but it very much reminds me of her she was the sort of very far right person who like locked herself to the Twitter offices because they had banned her from her platform. And Stormfront, her introduction where she's, like, live-streaming on Instagram and it's part of her oh, brand. She looks like her. I know. That's what I was thinking the whole time. That's weird. They just gave her a really bad, bad undercut. By the way, her undercut is really bad. It's like whoever gave her this haircut that didn't understand why undercuts were cool. Like, they just didn't get the appeal. They were just like, oh, I'll know what we, I know what we'll do. We'll give her an undercut. And, and they, they were just shaved half it. of her head. Yeah, they weren't like, oh, this is a cool haircut, and this is the appeal of it, and this is how it will help ba- shape her face. They were like, nah, shave her head. Moving on. Anywho. And what's interesting... <laughs> the hair on that show is terrible. Oh, for sure. Especially, um, what's his name? Main guy who's Superman. Homelander. His, mm-hmm. his hair is sometimes getting progressively getting his roots weird. Done. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes his roots are done, and sometimes they aren't. Also, um, the one who plays the the equivalent of Wonder Woman, the really nice lesbian. Yeah. Um, she sometimes wears a wig. I don't know. Her hair's her her hairline's weird because sometimes there's a wig and sometimes they're not. There's not. Which is hard to know if that's like part of the joke is that they have this manufactured image that they put out, or if that's exactly. something they made and it wasn't a good wig. And sometimes it's in like really serious scenes, especially in the first season. There were bad wig moments just terrible but yeah uh it's really weird also i feel like they whoever directs the scenes is just like okay his roots can't always be done moving on because they go back and forth like his roots will be done and the next scene they're not done and i was like oh they clearly shot this in a different order interesting Mm -hmm. but plot wise i'm really enjoying it Mm-hmm. Even though I still I still hate the deep, and I feel like they spent a lot of time trying to make I me know. like it. And and it was strange because I don't know. So it's it's a very surreal scene where it sounds like Patton Oswald speaking from his gills, and I'm like, is this mm-hmm. meant to be funny or is this meant to be like genuine? And I think it could be both. It could be darkly comedic, and yes. that it's like he does have these anxieties about his body image. But the line where they, like, specifically explain away his treatment of other characters as because he has bad body image issues, plenty of people have body image issues and don't take it out on other people. And I don't I don't know if we need as much time with it. It feels like they're really investing in it. Well, I feel like they're really investing in it because it's such a hard job. 
like even with all of this time we're not convinced <laughs> no yeah but at the same time maybe maybe that's something they should let go because i'm not sure they're going to convince us and I'm, i guess i'm a little worried that i might have to see too much of him i thought he was going to potentially be killed when they rammed the whale with the boat yeah but no, no i feel like there's something some some sort of cringe humor that's happening with his character like there's somebody that this appeals to who just wants to watch the deep suffer, which seems fair, but well, it's not even that he's suffering. It's that like they're giving him this redemption arc that feels weird because it's not the like corporate apology branding thing, but it's this, and I'm not sure if it's sort of a cultish thing, but there's this woman who is trying to like change his worldview and Definitely help him figure out thing. who he is. But it Straight seems implied that it's a cult, <laughs> and I think that could be interesting. But if they expect me to take it straight face seriously that he really does make amends, I I don't know if I can. I think that might be a bridge too far. I just think, I, I guess I don't even feel like his arc is redemption. Mm-hmm. I don't, like there are moments where I'm like, okay, they're trying to get me to sympathize with his character. But even in those moments, it is, it's almost like he's supposed to be the comedic relief. But mm-hmm. there's something so... I, I guess something so terrible about what he did, just about the fact that he's just an abuser, that makes it harder. I'd rather him be a murderer or something. Honestly, that would be easier for me to stomach. And it just, it makes it so that I can't, I can't see past it to what they're doing, but I feel like it's, it's almost comedy. Like yeah. even those moments where you're supposed to relate to him, it's almost like pitying yeah it's you're crazy. not sympathizing like i'm not supposed to be here i don't feel like i'm supposed to be in the room somebody take the camera out <laughs> and i honestly could do less of that and more of investing in some of the other character stuff that i feel like isn't quite getting as much development whether I wanted it's more sibling scenes more sibling scenes i'm really enjoying that storyline the character who's kind of getting the short end of the stick is mother's milk and he just sort of is I need to get back to my family, and that's about it. It's pretty surface level. He doesn't have anyone to play off of, and I'm hoping maybe he gets more of a relationship, whether it's with Billy or with one of the other group of the boys. But for now, it seems like he's sort of stuck, like they're not sure what to do with him, and that's unfortunate. Because it was interesting that he was the one that had to be convinced to join in on this, and now he's basically ruined his whole life. I mean, I do think he's building a bit of a relationship with Huey. Mm-hmm. I just, um, that is, and I think Huey's arc has been interesting. Yeah, but I think Mother's Milk is serving as almost like a, like he's projecting all of his parental instincts onto Huey. Yeah, <laughs> that makes me a little bit sad. I really hate Billy Butcher right now. Yeah, he's uh, he's become a little selfish. He was always flawed, but now he's well. He, I just don't like that he has he has everybody fighting for his his end goal. And it doesn't seem clear to me that anybody else has a dog in that fight. Right. And it's it's then interesting why they're all going along with it. And I think the answer is they don't have much choice. They think this is their only chance at salvation, but I don't think it's going to end up being that. Yeah, well, just, not just, I just... I just feel like Mother's Milk especially really upsets me because he is trying to get back to his family as well. Like his... Mm-hmm. If anything, he has even more incentive because... I mean, Billy doesn't have any kids, <laughs> is the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem to me like Billy negotiated at all for Mother's Milk to get back to his family. 
It was sort of just a broad there. They'll get rid of our criminal records and everything will go back to normal. Which... And that's not even true, though. Yeah. He so very much is doing seemed... it for himself, but convincing everyone else, oh, they'll include you, too. Well, he said that he, they would include them. And then he basically told them that he lied. But I don't feel like that lie really sunk in to all of the repercussions of the lie, which is not just that, oh, what I told you wasn't true. It's like, oh, now you're fighting for nothing. Mm -hmm. And if he's not fighting for Mother's Bill, if he get back to his family, he's clearly okay with just killing Frenchie's little girlfriend who has become his whole world. Yeah. Do you think that it's, it's a romantic connection? I, I haven't decided, but I think <laughs> a little. I mean, I think that it's hard to see romance with characters who can't understand each other. Yeah, but hopefully they'll get so, there. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I don't know when they get there if it is going to be just like protective or if it's going to be romantic. I don't think that's clear right now because they can't talk. Right. And <laughs> Frenchie, being the gentleman that he is, has not leaned into anything romantic with this girl that he can't talk to. Right, right. So, his petite ami. That's what we're calling <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, the thing that I've liked about this that's kind of continued on is how they're willing to really deconstruct this, like, sort of Superman figure. Because in this, they've leaned into this underlying thing that he is very much a, at bare minimum, xenophobic person that he has these underlying tendencies about how it's rah-rah the United States. There's the test group focus scene of which slogan works better, like save America or save the world. And they all say save the world. And he's like, nope, it's, it's going to be save America. And I think that's kind of an interesting deconstruction of patriotism where it's like Superman or the equivalent was always this big figure of projecting power and that kind of going uncriticized. And in this, it's literally that he's wearing this American flag. But always he's not about... Superman. He's not he Superman. is, though. He's Captain America. He's you think he's Superman. Captain America? Captain America. He's, a, he's maybe an amalgamation of the two. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he is, he is Superman as far as, like, the, his powers. He's definitely got larger-than-life powers, and I think Captain America's powers are, you know, B-listers. But <laughs> um, I think the idea that he has about what heroes are supposed to be comes from comics. And I guess that makes sense because he doesn't have a family. He doesn't really have any sort of background to look on except that he is supposed to be a hero. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this season and the end of last, you know, the with the finale of last season, we really leaned into finding out what is wrong with him. <laughs> what right. is wrong with Homelander? And that is all these these things that he doesn't have empathy family but i think that we forget what his original goals were that what we forget what he wanted to be before he thought that he could be a father or right. a better person in any way and that was just that he wanted to be a superhero like he wanted more work mm -hmm. <laughs> he just he literally went out into the world and infected all these people with these powers so that he would have more people to fight yeah i don't think it's that he wants to be a better person through a father i think it's like he wants to control his son as evidenced by the fact that he's like you need to be like me he pushes him off the roof he's trying to mold him into this future version of him and i don't think he knows that 
agreed. He's very much a sort of broken person and has then become very violent and sociopathic outside well, of like that. He, never got, he was never a person. It was, I You're feel right. like that's the hardest thing about Homelander is that in comparison to all of the other characters who are people who behave monstrously, Homelander is just a monster. Right. He's trying to behave redeeming. like a human, if anything. <laughs> in moments, he finds himself trying to connect to the, the possibility of humanity. And, and honestly, he, he if, if, he's, if he's the stand-in for America, that's pretty appropriate, I think. And well, when you say it's sort of like the comic books versus the real version of him, I think it's interesting in this that essentially the comic books and the shows are propaganda that the corporation is putting out to create this image that they are to be trusted in heroes. And based on the end of the third episode that he feels replaced, he's going to lash out when he loses that. And I wonder yeah, if there's all he has. Be, I agree. And I wonder if there's going to be a moment where the public sees him for where he really is and how they sort of play with that. Because the whole sure, point is it's definitely left there in the in the possibility of the plot. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the whole point is the boys have seen him for who he really is, and they're a small group of people that knows, but it's just been this frustration that no one else can see it, and that everyone just fawns over him and loves him, even though he's done monstrous things because they're kept in the dark and given this information, which again, not at all related to anything related to anything at all. No commentary <laughs> happening there. <laughs> Absolutely, and he just considers himself this like mascot for what the nation needs to see. Even though baseball he's a hypocrite, and apple pie. Even though he's never really thrown a baseball, <laughs> I don't even imagine he'd enjoy pie. Unless it came with a side of breast milk. There. <laughs> Is that how you want to end our boys' conversation? On Honestly, that? it's a great segue, and I really should have saved it for later. How is it a segue? Give us the segue. Um, because speaking of breast milk, we can talk about woke. Where was their breast milk and woke? Am I forgetting? Where something? was their breast milk? Because when they get on the bus and they're going to see the lawyer, the reason that his friends want to come with him is because there's an ice cream shop on that side of town that sells breast milk ice cream. And that's I, why they're all on the bus. I honestly, that was my least favorite episode, so that might be why I don't remember it. It felt like a bottle episode on a bus and just got progressively more confusing to me about why they were on the bus for so long. And then they had to find a reason to get them trapped on the bus, which then looped around at the end. Okay, let's finish talking about the boys just because I have a couple more things I wanted to mention. Go for it. Um, I think that there was... A lot of action, but not a lot of character development for me uh, with uh, Starlight. Yeah. She does a lot, but I don't feel like she changes at all. And she hasn't for a while. Maybe that's supposed to be her character, that she's just constant heart of gold goodness. But I would like for her to to be challenged a little bit. Can I make a prediction about her character? I think she's going to get won over by Stormfront and unfortunately become evil i think because she looked up to stormfront as being this like very inspiring figure take no crap and that could trick her into thinking she's a good person because she puts out this what i said admittedly i agree but stormfront is also really good really accustomed at this point to having 
all of her beliefs shattered about heroes being good people. Yeah, you're right. Do you mean Starlight? She's had... Starlight. That's her name. What I've yeah. been calling her. Well, you said then Stormfront. Stormfront. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Starlight. I think she's just gotten really accustomed to having all of those those illusions shattered. So mm-hmm. maybe she has built up some resistance to this. And when she discovers that Stormfront is a bad guy, she'll just be able to move away from it. And I hope that so. That wouldn't be a lot of character development, but I would be more consistent with her character. You're right. Just becoming bad because Stormfront's bad. Maybe she'll I think they're him. setting up some sort of conflict between her and Huey that eventually there's going to be a split. Huh. Also, question. Who is more powerful? Uh, Starlight or Homelander? I think Homelander. I think that's why he has that intimidation factor over her when he's saying you have to kill Huey. Otherwise, she might have tried to turn on him, but I think we know it would be futile. But I don't know that because his power is vision-based. He also has strength, I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah, but at range, his power is vision-based. And I don't know. She she has a thing that makes you really have to close your eyes. And I've just been thinking about this a lot, that they might be better matched. Like, I understand he's intimidating, and he's intimidates everyone. But, except for some reason, Stormfront, which I don't understand, because well, I guess she's she's protected by the by the suits more than anything. Mm-hmm. But I feel like uh, Homelander and well, Starlight might be a fair fight. I would like to see it. I would like to see it. That is, that is the truth. I really am excited. The second I was, I was like, wait, they both have glowy little eyes, except that Starlight's eyes make other people close their eyes, and that sounds like a weakness identified in Homelander's power. I agree. He did blow up that little invisible guy from the inside, and he had uh, like armored skin. So everybody's got something. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other closing thoughts? Um, I feel really bad for Billy Butcher's wife. Mm-hmm. She's in the worst situation possible right now. I mean, she's got her kids, so she's she's at least there, but. But she's trapped. She tried to get a deal to protect her kid, and now they've yeah. turned on her because they're like, we can't really stop Homelander now that yeah, he she knows. She's like kind of happily trapped for a while, and now. Right. Now that he knows, she is trapped with Homelander, and that's and, horrifying. And her little son, hopefully, he's going to have to hone his little skills if he's going to keep flaring up at his dad like that. He could do it, though. I think that might be what they're setting up for, that eventually he's going to stand up to him when they, when they all the chips fly. are down. I feel like it was weird for him to assume that the kid could fly. Yeah, that was real bad. That was horrible. Like, like he doesn't know how genes work. Like, it's one thing for him not to understand the responsibilities of being a parent. And it's another thing for him to just abandon all logic <laughs> and I'm recognize say that it. maybe this kid just got one of his powers. Homelander is cunning oftentimes, but I think he's very much a his his desires override his common sense. And he he very much is self-serving and doesn't really care about other people. So he would totally be like, whatever, I push him off. It's only twenty feet, even though he knocks him out, which is horrible. I really gotta depressing. say, this one is poor character design. It does not make sense for him to be that stupid, having been raised by scientists. 
he was experimented on by scientists. I don't know if it like I'm raised just, was the right way. Of... I'm just saying they taught him to talk and read and do all of that. So it doesn't make sense to me that none of the intellect rubbed off it at all. You're just, right. Just pure nature, no nurture at all. What? <laughs> You're right. I'm just saying, at least that cold room should have produced a bookworm, honestly. <laughs> what was he doing in there all that time by himself? What what did he have to do? There wasn't even people he could kill. <laughs> like, that would make sense. Ah, oh, they just send in a new guy every day, and he just fights him and murders him, and that seems like it would produce Homelander. I think it <laughs> might have been that the isolation was what produced him. If he just couldn't ask for a book... Anywho, moving on to Woke and its Breast Milk Chronicles. Uh, <laughs> so for those of you who haven't seen the trailer or haven't seen the show on Hulu, Woke is a, about a black cartoonist who is finding some success in his work um, when he is attacked by a police officer who believes that he is a mugging suspect who will actually later mug him, but <laughs> a mugging suspect or um, robbery suspect um but this experience proves to be really traumatic for him and he begins to have hallucinations in which um the different items i guess they're kind of i don't i don't know what they represent some of them seem to represent parts of his personality some of them seem to represent different aspects of blackness either way they all wake up and they start talking to him the 40 bottle in the gas station is talking to him his pen which he used to create all of his art is not letting him create any more meaningless art he refuses to do it altogether, and it leads to him, well, at first having sort of mental breakdown on stage, which was supposed to be his big debut as an artist, well, not just as an artist, but as a syndicated artist, you know, this was his big day, and instead, he becomes really frustrated with the way that his world is whitewashed, but also the way that he has been whitewashing his own world, that he is very actively decided to be the kind of kind of black man who stays out of trouble who doesn't talk about racial issues who keeps it light and as a result he has had his image lightened <laughs> for publicity and this after this interaction with the police it's sort of the last straw and he kind of has a come to jesus moment but then he has to really do the work through what this means what sort of actions he's going to take and as somebody who's never interacted with his blackness this directly it seems like in his background um you know he kind of has to be led by by the cartoons by different people that he meets and this it's about him sort of finding his way what did you think of woke overall i liked it i loved woke i thought it was good really good it was interesting and it was thoughtfully made i felt like it touched on and even even had open discussions with almost every topic that it addressed. Mm -hmm. Almost. What, what is the almost? What is the caveat? Well, you know, it talks about sexuality. It talks a lot about race and race relationships with the police. However, I think his interracial relationship, mm -hmm. even though it became a big star of the show. Which I was surprised by. They actually didn't talk about it a lot. No. Like he has this anxiety around the fact that he is decided as a black man who is taking on black issues and is really leaning into his experience. 
about dating a white woman. He's got got this anxiety, and they just sort of dance around it, but they don't ever talk about it. <laughs> I think that might be part of the problem is that neither of them end up talking about it because at one point they just decide to break up rather than address it. It, but even he doesn't even address it within himself. Like he he has this moment at the art show where he's drawn this picture of himself with his white girlfriend, and they're on the swings. And then he clams up and freaks out with this when this critic tells him that he's not interested in seeing art with white people in it. And it's like, oh, I got to go fix my art. And he goes in the bathroom and he colors in her face, and he doesn't invite her to his show. And there's just all this, and he doesn't go swing dancing with her. He doesn't want to be seen with her. Right. <laughs> it reminds me of that TikTok that's like, no, I'm not ashamed of you. I just I just don't want anybody to see you. For all you TikTok watchers out there, y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> and I just don't feel like they talked about the fact that he straight up tried to hide her. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about it being uncomfortable. They talk about interracial relationships being hard and maybe it shouldn't be that challenging or maybe it should and what sort of hard discussions you need to have. But he doesn't have the discussion. They just talk about having the discussion and how it's uncomfortable. That's par for the course for him, though. He frequently will sort of repress things rather than address them until they boil over and he can't ignore them anymore. But that's what I mean. Every other part of the show, it has gotten to that point where like, they're like, okay, now here's the time for the real conversation. Here's the real commentary that we've been building up to. And that one, that ball gets dropped. I think even, I... Though, even though he decides to get back together with her. I think that's sort of the broader point is that, and this is not a bad thing. It's just a different thing. I think character comes first in this show and commentary is buried within it, but they very much wanted to instead let their relationship play out, then comment on it as directly as I think you wanted to. And maybe they will in a second season, but I think for people expecting it to be as sort of biting of a commentary might have to acknowledge that there's going to be character development first and a lot of goofy dynamics with the commentary embedded within it but still for jokes like the entire scene where he's talking with his girlfriend and his roommates about sexuality and threesomes and interracial relationships and all of it it's sort of like a back and forth joke of different things and like I just want to push back on that because I feel like there were opportunities in this that practically wrote themselves about mm-hmm. this particular issue. I really do think that the writers were afraid of it somehow because mm-hmm. That's possible. there are moments there are moments where like after that girl comes out of the room, his friend is the number one he does his friend doesn't even pick up white women's wallets. And for some reason, he does not go in on this man about dating this white lady. Yeah. Over and over again, he says nothing. And it doesn't even make sense for his character to not say anything, to not make a joke, not a not a single jab. He's just like, you know, what's up with that white lady in our apartment? And that's it. That, He's also that's someone it. that has asked him to lie to women about who he is. He's like a soccer player or a famous He's athlete. A lot of different things, but but he they introduce him pretty early on as somebody who was very aware of his race, who was going to constantly be that person to make those comments. The mm-hmm. person who's like, oh, do y'all want to play the game? Which one of these white people are going to say nigga? That's, that's the guy that he is. He, and instead, in these moments, he, everybody stops being the character that they're supposed to be to comment on this 
And you and think I, that was I the writer's anxiety them. sort of clamming up the story? Okay. I, I mean, they even make the fight that they're having so big, and it's it's physically in the way. Like, they're trying to find a location to have it, and they're still not having it. They're dancing around it, and then they turn it into yeah. sort of a cute conversation amongst themselves. Like, yeah, we should have a fight more often or something. <laughs> Exactly. And they didn't even they didn't finish the fight. They just had sex and moved on. And I feel like every other conversation they decide to have, they finish it up. They don't mm-hmm. just mention police brutality. They don't just mention open relationships or cheating or any of those other things or threesomes or sex sexuality being fluid. They they have a banter. It's funny. It's character based, but they still have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel similarly about the way that he treats his first girlfriend. Yeah. He doesn't mention why he thinks that she won't understand. Right, which is weird. He, like, preemptively is assuming that she'll just push him away because of that. And that doesn't make sense. It's almost, I mean, as a character, she is written to be his love interest who is a black woman. And that he was going to move in with. Like, they were serious. And he doesn't speak to her. Like, she's she's a black woman who can relate to her, him who as a woman who's in a relationship with him, who cares. It's just, I just feel like there's a little bit of a lack of respect for these characters in this way. Which I hate to say, because, because our lesbian character is written so well. Mm-hmm. And she's great. <laughs> the, the straight women are really getting the shaft in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be too punny, but. (laughs) Do you think, so do you think it's origin is the writers or do you think they're trying to make it that his character doesn't communicate to the women in his life well and doesn't treat them fairly? It could be both. It could be. There's a season two that I'm, that they're building up to where they're going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. Because it did reintroduce both of these women to his life at the end of the season. Yeah, so maybe I'm just early and I'm just waiting for it. And they've decided that this wasn't an issue for season one. And I think I'd be okay with that if they create a second season and that's what this is for. Because what if it I doesn't mean, address it in the second season, <laughs> I don't even know where they're going in the second season if they don't talk about this. <laughs> I don't <laughs> because we've. I wouldn't say we've exhausted the topic of police brutality. Definitely not. But we spent the entire season on it. and But it doesn't also resolve where there's sort of a clean exactly to it. Which there shouldn't just... be. He doesn't do the beer summit and play along with it. No, he doesn't. I just think that if they don't at least talk about the way that he treats women, they're dragging out this issue without respecting the other intricacies of it. Mm-hmm. I just and they they wrote their male characters so well that it has to be intentional. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that somebody wrote this script and looked at it and was like, "Yes, all of these characters are well balanced." <laughs> this woman, first woman, they wrote a whole black woman without a personality, and then she disappears for the majority. Disappears. Yeah, and, and the fact just... that they were so serious that they were going to start a life together. I just, I feel like, I feel like I, I just don't, I don't understand. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm stammering out of frustration because it is so difficult to see somebody. And I, I, when I say somebody, I mean the writers, the creators of the show, create something so thoughtful while at the same time being so thoughtless about the way they wrote mm-hmm. the characters. 
I'm telling you, they could have cut the bus episode and given more depth to the other characters. I like the bus episode, and I'm going to tell you why. I like the bus episode because I feel like it is the episode that really highlights the problems with the way that people interact with social justice or caring in general. Mm. The whole cubby plotline. Yeah, the cubby plotline. It seems frustrating and ridiculous, but it just, it put all of these people on the bus. It is a bottle episode, but it says, look at all these different kinds of people who can care about one issue. Mm -hmm. That they can unite around something. Yeah, they are perfectly capable of doing this, but at the same time, they will look away from things that make them uncomfortable. There's a guy at the back of the bus who's he's trying to get some money. He's clearly in need. And he says, will you guys even look him in the eye? So everybody's willing to rally around this freaking koala bear. And it's not because you guys care. It's because it's what you're comfortable caring about. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was a conversation that needed to be had. And people are always like, ah, white people care more about their pets than they do about other people. And it's a cold thing to say, and it's. I think it's hard to illustrate that because people are like, oh, you don't want us to care about animals, but it's, that's, that's not, not what the, it is. Yeah, that's it's about having a, two conflicting thoughts in your head that can still be true at the same time, that animals should be cared about, but that you shouldn't prioritize caring for them and ignoring everything else. A single koala bear over other people who are standing right in front of you. A koala bear that you've never interacted with, but you will believe can code and works for <laughs> Jeff Bezos, but you yeah. won't believe that this person right in front of you could maybe benefit from your help. I I guess the reason, I like how it wraps up with him sort of confronting the protests at the end. I thought that was sort of a good bow on the end of it. There's just all this other stuff that kept, like, getting distracting. How did they have a coronavirus joke in this? I don't know if you caught it. Is I don't it know when they shot it. Coronavirus or SARS? Yeah, when did they shoot this, or did they dub that in later? Is well, this... they wouldn't have to. It's not the first coronavirus. You're right, but it seemed particularly <laughs> timing. Like, no one no one would know what that is. I don't know. Well, I mean, he also mentioned SARS, and that's, right. not, that's not something that has affected us. But you're right, maybe, I mean, maybe he was shot recently. I don't know. I, I still liked the show on the whole, and I do like how there would be these contained episodes. The art show in particular, I think, is a, is a very interesting episode. And it's very funny when someone gets roasted on stage about how their art is, like, pedestrian and really bad. And then he gets super nervous. And how, like, he takes his cartoons and, like, tries to, like, explain them and just, like, f- quickly flips through them. Bunch of great stuff like that. I don't know. There are just then other ones... I don't know, where I didn't quite connect with them and wish they could have been used to devote more character stuff elsewhere, if that makes sense. You know what? The more I think about it, the more next season has to be about women. (laughs) Well, because you said that, and I was thinking about the cartoons and how comfortable he was just absolutely roasting his friends on stage. He didn't want anybody to see that he kind of colored this white girl's face in and made it look like she's in blackface, which was insulting to his audience and also to her. And it also kind Um, of made the art look very, like, fragmented and weird because he just scribbled it in really quick. Yeah. The the critic didn't notice for some reason. But... Maybe it was intentional. I don't know. Like, oh, it's... it's 
but he has a friend who he basically just says doesn't respect women, and the man does not develop a lot as a character, even are as he befriends the, this lesbian. Are you talking about the roommate, roommate who's been lying to women in all the interactions? Which, mm-hmm, like, starts so out he, as a joke, but then it's like, oh, man, he does this all the time to everybody. Yeah, and then he's when he creates the comic about him, he's like, I'm an in- insecure, short, black man, and I lie to women. And he says in front of everybody that he hates women. And the woman sort of asks him about that. He's like, your friend just told everybody that you hate women. And he's like, no, no, I don't hate women. My, my mother is a woman. Which is definitely a joke <laughs> at the people that say that. Absolutely, but at the same time, it doesn't, they don't address his misogyny at all either, mm. so maybe this is just a topic for another day, and I'm just stuck on it because the gaps are just no, you're good. all woman-shaped. There's just woman-shaped <laughs> plots, <laughs> holes in this plot. In a painting of it all, there's just huge gaps. Uh, absolutely. He does, uh, he does get his comeuppance a couple times, specifically when they're out eating food. And then he just gets like absolutely destroyed and roasted in front of everyone. And so I think that's important. He never really grows from that and like reflects on it. But again, that might be that it's what you had said about it being kind of more light and funny. And they're mm-hmm. they're they're picking and choosing these deeper things. And unfortunately, the ones they choose not to really reflect on get lost. Yeah, they do manage to talk about these heavy topics while keeping it light, but. Uh, maybe maybe the loss is on purpose. I will say, I think there's an interesting, um, I don't even know if I'd call it commentary, because it's pretty pretty outright about him losing his rights to his comic. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible without them paying you. Right. And I think that's what he then tries to sue them back over, but it doesn't really work. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I guess there's, I mean, I, I guess he hasn't finished that that part of his story or that conversation i just thought it was really strange that they could just take all his work it's very jarring and infuriating that they've kind of abandoned him and then are like but we're still going to take everything you've done for us and make it all like there has to be some sort of trade if you signed away your rights you must have signed them away in a contract somewhere and that contract must have said that they were going to pay you something i did get an advance that they're making him pay back. I know. So where's what is the the cost? <laughs> where's the payment that is supposed to be present here? It just it just is particularly infuriating when someone else begins writing his comics. They've taken his idea and characters and literally just swapped him out. Because that would be horrible. <laughs> I will say, since I think we have to mention it since we've been sort of talking about it, even though it kind of will disappear that the cartoon interjections become less frequent, I still think the cartoon mm-hmm. interjections are interesting and funny. Especially that first episode where they riff on do the right thing, and he tries to throw it through the window, and then it just reflects back. Yeah, and that was such a fantastic reference to do the right thing. I really liked it where he's it's almost like he doesn't he doesn't know he doesn't know what to do and he knows what he's supposed to do what kind of black person he's maybe supposed to be from a movie and that it doesn't work as perfectly (laughs) as it does in the movies yeah he can't get that sort of easy cathartic solution to to wrap it up 
Instead, he like has to like run away as it bounces back, and they like poke their head out and are very confused. And I don't know. It it sums up his character. Where they have completely replaced the black yeah. owner and all all remnants of blackness besides the image. Right, and they said that he moved back <laughs> he down right south, but the then his cartoons say they're from Cleveland. Like what the hell? <laughs> and it very much sums up his character is that he's like struggling to figure out how best to speak his mind to make a statement and it oftentimes blows up in his face and that's funny to see kind of play out but also sad because you want to see him find out what he is and so it's good at the end where he has kind of been able to say no I'm not just going to play along with this anymore and I'm not going to especially that end scene where they're like remember uh, use at f sfpd cares or whatever hashtag yeah yeah and he's like wow this has really become a spectacle and i didn't really sign up for this i did this because i thought like it would be something that would put this behind me but i'm not just going to be used to do pr like repair their image and i don't know he already knew that it was kind of be a spectacle but the experience of it was so different like he knew that he was going in there and he was supposed to be a prop and that was the whole point but then I mean, I still think that his other roommate, the little white hippie one, was right. That he shouldn't yeah. have gone to begin with. Because, I agree. Because at the end of the day, they created a situation in which he needed to appear in order to feel free of all these possible legal fees and this lawsuit. So it wasn't even a trade. Like He had this conversation. He was asking all of his friends what he should do. And he was like, well, you have to give something to get something. But, but the thing that he needed was completely orchestrated. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just so frustrating. And his, his friend was like, this is too dangerous. <laughs> you don't need to go in there and have this conversation with some cops who might harm you for no reason. It's not even something that's going to be impactful. And instead, what he chose to do was so much more impactful. I agree. And so that was good to see. It was it was a good kind of catharsis and moment of growth for him. That one compared to him at the beginning was was really good. Do you have do you have any closing? Yeah, exactly. Do you have any closing thoughts on on woke and what you you liked about it or would like to see more of? Uh, I like that we were able to have this entire conversation without mentioning that he's Winston from a new girl <laughs> because he is just grown as a little actor and I love <laughs> to see it. I love to see it. I watched another movie with him and the, the lady who plays the cop in, um, in new girl, they actually play opposite each other in this little, this little rom-com that's okay. on Netflix. And so if you guys ever want to go check that out, I think it's really, it's really cute. It's just a cute little movie about this little girl who stalks her boyfriend to Mexico. Um, <laughs> I just, I like seeing him grow as an actor and, you know, getting more opportunities and well, more and more is just, he's on the come up and that's, that's nice. And I thought he was really good too. He was. He, he strikes a good balance of being serious when he needed to be comedic when he needed to be. It was, it was a good balance. Yeah, he struck a great balance, and it was clear that he'd worked in comedy, but also that he's got a little range on him, you know? And I I was just very happy with it. I would like to see him in in more, more serious, in a more serious capacity. I'd like to see him in more serious roles. I agree. 
on that note, we're going to transition really quickly to talk about some new releases that you can see. In a world of new releases, it can be difficult to find out what is good and what isn't. That's why your host sorts through all the noise and chaos to find out what you should spend your time and money with. This is Cutting to the Chase. First is the movie I Am Woman, which I I understand that we might skew a little bit of a younger audience, so people might not know who this is. And I would encourage people to read about who the movie is based on, Helen Reddy, and her influence as an artist coming to America, making it big. The movie is a very conventional biopic, and I think that kind of dooms it, and you don't really get to learn a lot about her. But I think she's a very interesting character, and if you were curious about her, I think there's a good amount of information in here. It does end up feeling like a spark notes of her life, where it's like, oh, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And I think that's a problem of the writing, where it sort of just is like, oh, it's a biopic, and she's a historical figure, so let's just have her go through all the events without giving as much character depth and unique approaches to, to a story that itself was unique. Um, then after that, there's Rent-A-Pal, which is a totally opposite movie. Quinnell, do you know much about Will Wheaton? Good old, good old guy who was on, I, I don't know, Big Bang Theory once in a while. He hmm. plays, he plays a man. He plays a man. Star Trek? That, yeah, I suppose he might have been in Star Trek. He yeah. plays a man that is on a tape that this lonely man gets, and he's his rent-a-pal. But then he ends up becoming ominous and creepy and weird. And I like this movie for a lot of it. The sound design of the tape, the whirring effects, and sort of the sound that almost begins to take on a demonic thing is interesting. The ending is so straightforward that it almost is pointless. Because it the the biggest interesting thing is the nature of the tape. Because at time it seems like he's engaging and responding to what he says, but then at other times it seems like it's all in his head and it's just a coincidence. It's it's not quite memorable enough because of the ending that makes everything else in retrospect seem boring. I think that that first part was setting up for a lot of potential, and the ending dooms it unfortunately. Um, but still still a little bit better than that one. Um, then there's the movie Unpregnant. Unpre like her. It does sound like her, um, but it's where it's a friend and it's really creepy. Her is creepy, but it's more like emotional connection. Um, yeah. This is like more shifting towards thriller horror, but it never quite gets there. Then there's Unpregnant, which is a movie that's a road trip movie where it's Barbie Ferreira and Haley Lou Richardson, who I think are a great duo, where it's her going to get an abortion and it's interesting because it's not similar in tone to this movie called never rarely sometimes always mm -hmm. but that was also about two girls traveling to get an abortion and they have a similar point which is to say the worst part is not getting the abortion it is the hoops that they have to jump through to get there in the case of this movie it's a wacky road trip comedy and they get up to shenanigans and goofy stuff happens, but there's this serious undertone to it. I liked it. I think it could rub some people the wrong way because of that irreverent tone. Um, but I think it was, it was nice. And I think the central friendship is really good. It wasn't quite perfect because of those wacky things where it almost undercut some of what I think it was going for, especially like there's like a car chase they get into and that is, it's, it goes off the rails and it kind of is a little bit 
over the top, but I still think there's a core character dynamic in it that's interesting. And then the last one is a movie that is going to require a little bit of a setup. You know about the movie Cuties, right? I do. Okay, so Cuties went viral because of a poster Netflix released that misrepresented the movie drastically. And people saw that image and thought it was something that it was actually critiquing. There can be a conversation about how well it critiques it, how effective it is at saying its message, but it is not that poster. And I think it is an unfortunate thing that Netflix didn't consult with the director and writer because I think she has a lot more interesting things going on. Essentially, she had seen young girls dancing at a performance and was somewhat taken aback about how sexually they were dancing as underage girls and wanted to make a film that sort of excavates and uncovers what motivates them and do it in a way that's not judgmental, that is not glamorizing, but is just honest look at how they have been shaped by the internet, by lack of sort of family support, by all these different things. And I think it's really interesting. It's probably the, the movie I would recommend for this week. It still is very uncomfortable and oftentimes painful, but I think it is an honest portrayal of growing up that I think has a lot to say. There's one or two plot developments to the end that I think really are a little bit misguided and don't get developed as much. But at its core, I think there's an interesting story here. I really would recommend checking it out, especially the people that criticized it, because I think you will learn it is not a glamorizing of the hypersexualization of young girls. It is a criticism of the environment and culture and society that pushes them in that direction and how tough it is on them. And I understand that is a very serious sort of note to end on, but I think it's a very sort of interesting look and a very sort of nuanced portrayal that people should give a chance, especially just to push back against all the nonsense and misinformation surrounding it. You can still criticize it upon seeing it, but I would recommend seeing it. If I could sum it up, there was Tessa Thompson, who when everything was blowing up was like, you need to see this. It's a very sort of honest, heartfelt, beautiful portrayal and not what people are warping it into being, which is a criticism of that type of culture. And I think, I think it's, a, it's a really strong debut. It's amazing that it's a first feature because it's very confident. It reminds me of this movie, The Fits, that came out a couple years ago, where it sort of is like these characters dancing and then what that represents. There's a scene in that that very feels similar to this. I don't know, there's some elements of magical realism that I think are interesting as well. Yeah. I would check it out. I know that was a long ramble, but unfortunately there needed to be a lot of context to explain what that movie is. Um, I'm kind of frustrated that people decided what they thought the movie was about. Like I'm, I'm happy that they changed the poster because I think that, I mean, I think that the Sundance poster is, you know, speaks more to the innocence of the film. Right. But I also, I just, I also find it frustrating that people don't, won't read or look into what something is about. I guess I, when I was, in college, when I was a freshman, I think I was a freshman, um, we had a speaker named Daryl Davis come to visit our school. And anybody who knows anything about Daryl Davis, he's basically famous for choosing to have in-depth discussion with Klan's members, Klansmen, um, and Ku Klux Klan members, who, who have later gone on to give up their robes, some of them even giving up police work. Not to talk about the interaction of those two things right now. That's not what's important. The point is it was put on, the talk was put on by a political group at our school um, 
its affiliation is libertarian, so it's not really even important. But the posters that we created were of the cover of Daryl Davis's book, which had a Klansman on it, and they were hung around campus. There was also information about what the talk was going to be. It was like any sort of lecture poster that you would see. And our university decided that the posters were ridiculously inappropriate. Apparently, at some point, there had been a tour for a young Black student, and her parents had seen the poster. And I guess the tour guide couldn't read and couldn't tell them what the poster was about. And there was all of this backlash and criticism. And instead of actually coming to us and telling us that the posters were inappropriate and that we couldn't hang them, they just started taking them down. Right. They didn't tell us that we couldn't put them back up, so we were having to pre-print them and put them back up every day. But there was no real discussion about why the image was inappropriate, and I still don't think that the image was inappropriate. That said, the reason I told this long story is because I think that it's frustrating that people saw this image and were like, oh, this is what this must be about. It couldn't possibly be about how the way that you feel about this image is right and bad. <laughs> that somebody could see that and say, oh, wow, they're really pointing out that this is something that isn't uncommon to see. It looks like a poster for any of those little pageant shows that they have on television. <laughs> it's not like the, the poster is graphic. But I, I guess I'm just upset that people didn't look into it, the context of the, the movie, without before saying, oh, maybe you need to approach this with a softer tone as if the context is supposed to be softer. And some people even called for it to be the, sh the film to be removed from Netflix altogether, which is ridiculous that you guys are fine with us talking about murders and all sorts of other perpetrators, but not this criticism. I just, I guess I'm just frustrated by the. I mean, that is the internet. And I don't want to, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to diminish people who did have criticisms and feelings about it. But I think you're right. You should try and learn about it as much as you can. Obviously, all this could have been avoided if Netflix had just consulted with the director who in interviews has been like, yeah, I saw that the first time everybody else did and also was a little frustrated, especially since she's gotten death threats and have been driven off social media. Oh, yeah, which I'm sure made her more frustrated. I feel oh, like the sure. image was far more alarming the first time I saw it because people said that it was supposed to be alarming. Right. But when I first saw it, I was like, ah, it is about pageant girls and cheerleaders. Which it isn't really. That's what I thought. It, it, it isn't no, it's really. Not. It's more about why she comes to that. That is like the yeah. end scene, but it ends up being a very sort of sad moment and her realizing that's not what she wanted. And the actual ending, I think, is quite poetic and also plays into some of that magical realism that makes it clear there's a lot of empathy for this character and you are never gawking at them. You are connecting with them. You are seeing the world through their eyes and learning from them, not preying upon them. The The lens and the gaze is very much meant to empathize with them, not exploit them. And they should have just, they should have done a different poster. Yes, and I get, I, I get it that the poster was alarming to people, but I also people, don't know people, why they didn't just do a quick Google. People could have done more research about it. I, I just tend to think, like, that's maybe a little too hopeful sometimes because people tend to take things and run with it. And I think there also was a intentional uh, misinformation campaign by people like QAnon that capitalized on this and were like, see, we were right. Um, 
ignoring the fact that the art is clearly criticizing everything that it's now being supposedly associated with. Again, I don't think it's a perfect movie. You can have criticisms of it, but it is very much an interesting story that I think people should see, and there is a lot of good stuff going on. Don't watch it with the English dub. Never do an English dub on a, on a Netflix movie. Watch it in the original language with subtitles because then you actually get to hear the acting because it's so jarring to hear someone in a booth recording an English voiceover. Yeah, it's it's quite good. Of course, I, if I you are able, if you're able to do that. Right, obviously, but you can do the uh, description of it in language with, I think, the actual original language as well. I just think then you get to actually hear the the performances from the characters who do a really, really good job um, navigating what is a very complicated, difficult, messy top. Yeah, because growing up is a very messy shitstorm of a thing, and to be able to approach that is ambitious, and I think it does a pretty good job. On that note, that was quite a, that was quite a way to end. Um, next week... There's the Emmys, which we may talk about coming up, because I imagine we're going to have lots of takes about all the shows and different things. And, you know, whatever whatever else is on our mind. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening to our show, and we'll hear you, see you, talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Stay safe, everybody. Have a good weekend.